It's good to see everybody out this morning, especially our visitors. We have several, and we're thankful that you've taken time to be out with us, and we do invite you back at each and every opportunity that you have to be with us. We'll be back tonight, Lord willing, at 6 o'clock, and then Wednesday evening at 7.30. And Wednesday evening in the adult class, we'll be starting Nehemiah, looking at the book of Nehemiah. So if you can be here, we would encourage you to come and be a part of that. Occasionally in our world, something happens that affects all of us. And I'm taking a break from the Until the Lord Returns series that I've been doing because I thought that it was important to remind us of a few things. There are times that things happen that are very devastating in our world, and 20 years ago we realized something like that took place. Where nearly 3,000 people lost their life on a day. I would venture to say that most of us can remember what we were doing, where we were at, the time of day and all of those things when we're reminded of those of that event. You might remember all the flags. You might remember some of the good things that were done the day after, and that's what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But one of the questions that arose out of that occasion and that oftentimes arises is where was God? I remember the Sunday after that a day, we had quite a few people here, visitors that I didn't know. We They were coming from the community. And I remember that day. People wanted to get close to God. People need to be reminded of God. And one of the questions that people had was where was God? How could God allow this to happen? And I think that that's a question that still arises when bad things happen. Where was God? This morning we're going to answer that question because God was in the same place on that day, on that day that He's been in the in, in the entire Old Testament and New Testament. We can go back into the beginning in Genesis when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden and told not to eat of the forbidden fruit, and they rebelled against God. God was there. And you may ask, why did He allow that to happen? Why didn't He stop it before it began? But the simple answer is, He designed us with a freedom of choice. He made us in His image and He allows us to choose good or evil. He allows us to choose what is right and what's wrong. He allows us to be a Christian or not. That's the choices that He's made. When He created man, that's the, the opportunities that He created for all of us to do good or unfortunately to do evil. And even in His sovereign foreknowledge, He made provisions for the world or before the world was ever created for man to have redemption, knowing full well that man would make disastrous choices from the beginning. It didn't end with Adam and Eve. You can go just a few chapters later and you can see that generation after generation became more and more wicked until you get to Genesis chapter 6 where it says even the imaginations and the thought and intent of man's heart was only evil continually. And it was so sick that God said He repented that He even made man. 
But the Bible tells us that there was a man who was just. A man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah, that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation and walked with God. So as wicked as the world was at that time, there was still someone who was perfect and righteous and walked with God and had an impact on his family. Because we see that Noah was saved along with his family in that ark that God told them to build. Where was God? The flood was man's greatest or mankind's greatest natural disaster. Where was God during that time? He was on His throne protecting His own. He made a way of escape for Noah. Just like He makes a way of escape for us. You might ask, where was God when Job lost everything that he had? He lost his wealth, his family, his health. There were evil people in his day also who were willing to kill and to steal to get what they wanted. And he became a special target because Satan said God had a hedge built around him. And that if he removed that hedge, that he would, he would curse God too. And as a result, Job lost everything of value, even his precious children. You might ask, where was God during that event? Had he turned his back on Job? Would Job return the favor and turn his back on God? And the answer is no. He would not. God had not deserted Job. And Job would not curse God even though he was urged by his wife to do so. So where was God while Job was losing everything that he had? Where was Job or God when Job lost his children when they were tragically killed? Where was God when Job's flesh was covered in boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. But yet Job maintained his integrity and recognized that God, it was God's prerogative to give and to take. And God had blessed him and God could take it away. Listen to what he says in Job chapter 1 and verse 31. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would we have that attitude if we'd lost everything like Job lost? You see, sometimes we think these possessions are all ours. God's blessed us with them and you know He can't take them. He's given it to us. It's mine. And sometimes we're like that little child that has all the toys and somebody else picks one up and, no, I want that one. That's mine. And we forget it's God that's blessed us. Job realized that. Where was God? When Joseph was wasting away in prison, he was accomplishing his perfect will. When you read the story of what took place, 
if every if ever there was someone who was ill treated, it was Joseph. If ever anyone suffered wrongly, it was Joseph. Yet with all of his hardships, problems, and abuses that he faced, Joseph was able to honestly say in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph was able to see what God's purpose was. Maybe he didn't realize that during all that time that he was being abused, but he saw the good in the end that came from it. And each step of the way, God was able to take Joseph's trying circumstances and mold him into a closer person that God wanted him to be. And God was there all that time. Though I would imagine if Joseph was like me, there might have been a time where he wondered if God was there. Where was God when the tower of Salom fell? And Jesus made reference to in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. When 18 people died because it fell on them, where was God during that, per- or during that time? Couldn't He have caused those people to move aside? Couldn't He have caused that tower to remain standing until no one was there? Where was God? Where was God when His only begotten Son hung on the cross enduring the pain for the benefit of others? You can imagine the horror, the agony, the anguish, the pain. Not just the thorns on his brow, not just the lashes on his back, not just the bruises from his from the reeds and the fist of it of the captors, not just the spit that was hurled at him, not just the nails that were driven into his hands and feet, not just the spear that pierced his side. All of this was there. But think about bearing the sins of mankind. All of that pressing down upon Him. So where was God when His only begotten Son was being crucified on a cross, hanging there and dying? Didn't He know what was going on? Couldn't He have stopped it? Couldn't He have prevented it from happening? Was he helpless? Was he not aware that his son was dying? Didn't he care? Of course he knew. And of course he could have prevented it. Jesus said he could have called angels down and they would have fought for him. So of course he could have stopped it. And of course he wasn't helpless. And of course he was aware And of course, He cared. But God knew what was happening. He could have stopped it, but He didn't. 
And he didn't stop it because God saw a larger picture in view. He saw something that was more important. That there was a greater good that could be accomplished by the suffering of Jesus on the cross. And he saw that through the suffering of one, that many people could be made whole. He saw that from the sacrifice of one, that sins could be forgiven. And through the death of one, many could be made alive. You see, sometimes we forget the fact that when we're involved with sin, we're, we're in a dead state. And our spirit is dead. We need to be quickened. We need to be brought back to life. And the only way that, that can take place is through the blood of Christ. And when we obey that Gospel, we're a new creature. Alive in Christ. And that was made possible because Jesus went through everything that He went through on the cross. And He reminds us, God does, that my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't even think like God. Because God has a greater plan for all of us. And so we ask, where was God? Where was God on 9-11? Where was God during some of these earthquakes? Where was God in some of these other disasters that have taken place? Where was God during all these times where people are shot up and killed? Where's God? He's in the same place. He was when His Son died on the cross for our sins. God never said that there would not be evil in this world. In fact, He warns us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, "...be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour." The devil wants to get us. He doesn't want us to be faithful. He doesn't want us to serve God. He doesn't want us to be that light to the world. He doesn't want us to be the salt of the earth. And so He's out there. And many of us, if we saw a roaring lion outside, we would be staying inside until the danger was gone. The danger of Satan doesn't go away. Not while we're here on this earth. The devil's going to always be out there to influence evil. And so God warns us. Romans chapter 13, verses 3, beginning of verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, an avenger, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. God set up government to protect those that are doing what's right. And sometimes government, just like us, we don't do what we're supposed to do. Sometimes government doesn't always do what it's supposed to do. Because God's design is that government is to protect the good from those that are evil. And I guess on a larger scale, we saw that take place on 9-11. But sometimes they don't do what they're supposed to do either. And so as tragic as that day may be in our minds that we remember, 
I want us to focus on the things that we learned from September the 12th. Because I believe that that's what's really important. Because I believe that there are good, good things that took place. <clears throat> it's just some of those things I think we've forgotten. We saw before our very eyes what James is telling us in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, James says, Whereas ye know what not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. People realize that life was precious. People realize that life isn't always going to be there. And people realize that it's important that those relationships that they have with their family and their relationship with God was something that was important. Because you have no promise of tomorrow. And people getting up, going to work on a normal day, thinking that it was just going to be like every other Tuesday, found out that there was something different, that life is short and that life is precious. I think some have forgotten that message. I've forgotten that lesson. I need to be reminded that life is short. Many realized for the first time that money wasn't important. That it wasn't everything. Jesus tells us that in Mark chapter 8, verse 35 through 37. And whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? People realize on that occasion that money wasn't everything. That there are things that are more important than making money to get more stuff. That we can lose those things. And many times when we go through a difficult time in our life, we realize that all of those possessions, they don't matter. You sit with someone that's dying in the hospital, they don't care about what they have. They care about their relationship with God. Money's not important. The stuff's not important. And brethren, we need to remember that. That our soul is more precious than any amount of money or stuff that we could accumulate. And sometimes we forget that. We learn that we're vulnerable. That we're not in control like we think that we are. In Psalms chapter 118 and verse 8, it says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. We're vulnerable. It's like James said, we're like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We realize that we're not in control, that people can get to us and hurt us and do things to us. And that we need to rely upon God instead of man. You think about that with our super military strength that we have. Remember how vulnerable we were? And if you've watched some of the documentaries afterwards, you found that the military wasn't prepared for something like that. 
We learn that kindness goes a long ways. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11. The word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and in pitchers of silver. People would smile. People would say kind things. People would stop and let you out of the driveway. Now, while we were out of town, I didn't pull up far enough for somebody to be able to squeeze between my car and the and the curb, and I was called every name in the book. What's happened? What's happened to our society? What's happened to our world? They've forgotten God. We also learn that politicians. Leaders and just regular old people. We're not ashamed to talk about God. They weren't ashamed to mention His name. They weren't ashamed to call on His name. They weren't ashamed to pray and to encourage people to pray. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 4 says, And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention of His name, for that His name is exalted. Today, people don't even want to talk about God. Because they're still caught up with where is God? What's He going to do? They want God, I guess, to come down and Take his hand and just pull people and make them do what they want them, he wants them to do. How many people would be happy with God doing that? God's given us a choice to do his will. And as Christians, we need to be proclaiming his name out in the world. People need to see the light or the influence that he's had on our life, that he is the light to our lives, and that in the in the process of our living the Christian life, we're a light to the world. That we are that salt of the earth. Do people see that in our lives? Or do we get caught up in all the anger and hatred that the world has that Satan wants us to follow? People went to church. Churches were full. People prayed. And people loved each other. The last point is people work together. There was unity like had not been seen in decades. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Brethren, you see all the passages that we've looked at, some are written thousands of years ago. Is it true? Is it true what Jesus said about what shall it profit a man? Is it true what James said that life is as a vapor? All of those things are true. And Jesus says that a house divided against itself shall not stand. It's not just your house. We understand when the house is divided, husband, wife, mother, father, they don't get along, it's going to be problems. But you see some of the problems that we have in our society today is division. 
Sometimes the problems that we have in the church are because of division. Allow the world to influence us. So those are the lessons that I want us to remember from September the 12th because I think those lessons are what's important. Good can come from evil. Of something evil that takes place, good can take place and have a positive influence on people to do what's right. And so we ask, where was God? Where was God on that occasion? Was He surprised by what took place? He wasn't surprised. But I believe that He was saddened by the event that took place. And He didn't cause 9-11... And because of his silence doesn't mean that he approved of what took place. But I know that if we remain faithful to God and we turn to Him and we're the light of the world as we're supposed to be, that we will have God's approval. God may not prevent future acts of evil, but God does provide peace to those whose hearts are filled with hatred if they will turn away from that hatred and turn to Him. God loves us. He cares about us. And may we never forget all that He's done for us on that cross so that you and I could have our sins washed away and blotted out and remembered against us no more. Be thankful for the blessings that God has extended to us don't take them for granted. But use them to glorify our Father which is in heaven. As I said, Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have the forgiveness of sin. And He tells us what we need to do in order to obtain that forgiveness. He said, go, told His disciples to go into all the world, preach the Gospel. That Gospel message is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave. Teach that message. So he says, go ye or go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's for everyone. No one's special. No one is exempt. We all are sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that message is for all of mankind. We all need to hear that gospel message. And so when they preach that gospel, what does he say? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's very simple. The next verse says, He that believeth not shall be damned. It doesn't mean baptism isn't important. What that means is, what's the point of being baptized if you don't believe the Gospel message? If you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ as the Son of God, then why be buried with Him in baptism? But if you want to be saved, then you need to be baptized. And it's a water baptism. You go down into the water, you come up out of the water. It's not sprinkling. It's not pouring. We don't see that in the New Testament. They both went down in the water in the case of the Ethiopian unit and Philip. And we see from Romans chapter 6 a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what's represented when we go down in that watery grave of baptism. We come up to walk in newness of life. We're a new creature. Why? Because our sins have been washed away and we are now a child of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And He wants us to take that message to the world. And so this morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian, that's what you need to do in order to be saved. 
and who must also live a faithful life. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us at the end of that verse, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So if living a Christian life costs us our life, it's going to be worth the price that we're willing to give. Think of all that Jesus has done for us. And think of the love of God that He's extended to us. And if you need to respond to the invitation, we would encourage you to come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sit.